The Jerusalem Channel is made possible by viewer support. Thanks for watching. A friend wrote to me on Facebook that she truly believes we're living in the last days. Look at the way everything is happening at record speed, according to the Bible. Although she said her parents read the Bible and are real believers, she was frustrated because her parents don't seem to want to discuss end-time events with her and all the prophecies that are being fulfilled. She asked me, why in the world wouldn't any believer be excited or want to share and talk about these things? Well, sometimes I believe God puts his hand upon specific ones in families and gives them special insights and revelation about the second coming, about end time prophecy. But really, shouldn't all born again believers be aware that Jesus is returning soon and have expectation? In the next few minutes, I'd like to discuss at least three major signs of the Lord's imminent return. Hello, I'm Christine Darg. Intercessors have been called by at least one Israeli Prime Minister spiritual members of the Israel Defense Forces. Concerning vision and the end times, a man and a woman of God and all true intercessors called by God must be people of faith who see that God's plan is being fulfilled, especially in these turbulent times. As students of Bible prophecy, we know we're living in extraordinary times because of the prophecies concerning the nation of Israel, prophecies in this Bible. Like Moses of old, many visionaries see the world of the invisible, but many others sadly just don't get it. The prophet Elisha and his servant saw God's great armies in the sky. All true visionaries must be able to envision the chariots of fire of God's surrounding armies, and visionaries must be able to interpret the signs of the times accurately by knowing this word. The great missionary apostle to India, William Carey, was such a visionary that he saw whole nations on the map while others couldn't see beyond their towns or villages. Henry Martin from Cornwall translated the New Testament and the Book of Common Prayer into Urdu and Persian. Henry Martin also translated the Psalms into Persian. He saw way beyond his national borders. A.B. Simpson, who founded the Christian and Missionary Alliance, an evangelical denomination with an emphasis on global evangelism, possessed vision where his fellow believers saw nothing really to explore. Visionaries simply look into the future to envision the end from the beginning. Vision also makes us adventurous when we see what God is after and what He wants believers to achieve. We'll go to the ends of the earth to do His bidding. Sometimes 
with great personal hardships and risks. But I don't really think you have to be a visionary these days to sense that we're living in the end times. I'm going to mention three of the greatest signs of the end times and of the Lord's return according to the Bible. Sign number one is found in Matthew chapter 24 in verses 33 to 34 where Jesus said that false prophets and false teachers will introduce heresies causing many to reject God's word. Today people reject this Bible out of hand because of the teachings of pop atheists and other false teachers. This sign was plainly foretold also by the Apostle Peter. In 2 Peter chapter 2 and verses 1 to 3, he predicted that there'll be false teachers amongst us who will secretly bring in damnable heresies. These heresies, he said, will be inside jobs within the churches, even denying the Lord. Sadly, many will follow and the truth will be slandered. In their greed, the Apostle Peter said, these evil teachers will exploit you with false words. The New Living Translation renders this verse, in their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. Does this not have a relevant ring? Well, sign two is found in Matthew 24 in verse 14. The gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a witness, Jesus said, throughout the whole world, and then the end will come. Did you know that the Bible or portions of the Bible have been translated into more than 2,400 languages and dialects, covering over 90% of the world's population. But that's just print media. We have internet, satellite, and radio communications proliferating to the ends of the earth. But number three sign is the great sign of the nation of Israel. Having been dispersed to all nations, the Bible predicted that the Jewish people in the last days will regather in the land of Israel and be reborn. Now please note these references, and you can look them up later for starters, about the regathering of Israel. Isaiah chapter 11, verses 11 and 12, Ezekiel chapter 37, and the words of Jesus in the Olivet Discourse in Luke chapter 21, especially verses 29 to 31. Never has a nation been dispersed to every corner of the globe and then regathered back into their homeland. And so Israel is absolutely unique in this regard. Israel, as the Bible prophesied, became a wasteland during the past 1900 years. The land of Israel became nearly uninhabited, desolate and denuded of its trees. But on May 14, 1948, Israel became a nation in one day, according to the exact prophecy found in Isaiah chapter 66 and verse 8. Jews have returned from the north, south, east, and west. They've immigrated from Europe, Asia, the Americas, 
from everywhere. All of this was prophesied in passages such as Isaiah chapter 43 and Jeremiah chapter 31 and many other verses. Amazingly, nearly a million Jews have immigrated from Russia in the north since I first awakened to Bible prophecy. And I'm also an eyewitness to the prophecy in Zephaniah chapter 3 and verse 10 that over 100,000 Ethiopian Jews have returned from the south and many from the south in Yemen. Israel, once a desolate desert, is blossoming like a rose and exporting produce to the world. It's always a joy when I'm not in Israel to grocery shop in England or elsewhere and to find Israeli produce, just to be able to ingest the minerals and vitality of the Holy Land. It's a way of literally eating Bible prophecy. Since the Jews have returned, Israel's rainfall has increased and have developed a world-renowned irrigation technology that has caused this land to blossom like a rose. After being barren for nearly two millennia, Israel is prospering economically while many of our nations are struggling. Since about 1900, more than a billion trees have been planted in Israel. But forces of darkness won't sit by and allow God to do all of this restoration without putting up a fight. Because Satan himself knows that his time of running this world is shortened by the fact of Israel's reemergence. Yes, the reappearance of Israel in the Middle East on the scene means that Jesus will return to take up where he left off. He's going to occupy the throne of his ancestor, King David, for a thousand years. Where are we currently on the prophecy timeline? In the Old Testament, the prophet Zechariah, in chapter 12 and verse 2, declared that God will make Jerusalem a cup of trembling for all the people round about. The fulfillment of that prophecy is on the horizon. A serious attack upon Israel could start a world war. And leaders get nervous every time Israel rightly retaliates and defends herself from the regular rocket attacks by her close Arab neighbors. The control, possession, and domination of Jerusalem is the desire of not only Judaism but Islam, the United Nations, and some even say the Roman Catholics. This capital constantly makes headlines. Ultimately, this city of God will be a cup of trembling and a heavy, crushing stone for all those who interfere and try to impose their own scenario and control over the city of the great king. Psalm 48 calls this the city of the great king, and who in his right mind would dare to touch the Lord's domain? But it never ceases to amaze me how many people, even in the churches, don't know anything about the end-time Bible prophecies, especially in the book of Ezekiel, that describe Israel's miraculous reconstitution, as well as the sinister coalition of nations 
that will attack Israel in the last days. Territorially, the Bible refers to Israel as the navel of the earth because tiny Israel is positioned right in the center of world maps. And surrounding Israel are the other hostile nations mentioned in the prophecies of Ezekiel. Let's review some of these vital verses. First of all, Ezekiel chapter 37 is the famous dry bones chapter of the Bible. But this chapter is not just a Sunday school song. It concerns the sufferings, the Jewish exile, and the rebirth of the state of Israel miraculously. In Ezekiel 37, we're given a graphic picture in advance of the Jewish Holocaust, a valley of bones. And God says, these bones are the whole house of Israel. And they were at that point in the prophecy, hopeless, saying, behold, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We're cut off. But in verse 12 of Ezekiel 37, God says, I will open your graves, O my people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel. And in verse 19, God predicted that the tribes of Ephraim and Judah would be reunited, as it were, into one stick in his hand. And in verse 21, God says, I will gather them on every side and bring them into their own land, the land of Israel. Notice that in verse 24, God says, And my servant David shall be king over them. The reference to Israel's most famous king, David, is an idiom for great David's greater son. Jesus, Yeshua is his Hebrew name, the Messiah, who will return to rule Israel. And now, moving on to the next chapter, Ezekiel 38, it opens with saying, with God saying prophetically, Son of man, set your face toward Gog of the land of Magog, the prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal, and prophesy against him. Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. Now let's modernize these nations and bring them up to date. Meshach is considered by linguists and Bible scholars as the Russian Federation of today. Rosh in Hebrew means head, and according to many Bible scholars, the head of this confederation is apparently Russia. Gog and Magog are comprised of Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan, Kurdistan, Tajikistan, Turkmenistan, and others. Now verses 4, 5, and 6 of Ezekiel 38, this very prophetic chapter, God says that he's going to put hooks into their jaws and bring them forth against Israel. And all of your armies with you, including Persia, Cush, and Put, all armed. Now, Persia is easy to decipher because it's modern-day Iran. Put, according to Bible scholars, is Libya. 
Ethiopia, some say more correctly, should be translated than Kush, and it includes an area known as modern-day Sudan. The chapter goes on to say Gomer and all of his hordes, the house of Togarmah in the uttermost parts of the north, and all of his hordes, even many peoples, a whole confederation will be with you. Gomer is the Caucasian area of Eastern Europe, and Togarmath may be, scholars say, Turkey. Well, when will this invasion of Israel happen? Verse 8 of this chapter informs us that after many days you shall be visited in the latter years, in other words, in the end times, you shall come into the land that is brought back from the sword that is gathered out of many peoples. And you will be brought to the mountains of Israel, which have been a continual waste up until this time. Well, what do you notice is the most common characteristic of these nations? Well, many of them, particularly the nations of the former Soviet Union, are predominantly Muslim countries, and many are breeding grounds for terrorism. Only if you've been exiled on an island without any communications could you be ignorant of the fact that Iran, Persia, has repeatedly declared its goal to annihilate Israel. The prophet Ezekiel also gave us an end-time picture of the Holy Land with its modern name of Israel right here in these Ezekiel prophecies. He projected the coming invasion as being in the latter days foretelling that the Israelis will first be gathered together in a nation and living in relative security. Ezekiel foretold that the Jewish exiles will rebuild the nation that was left desolate, but they'll be very desirous of rest and of peace after millennia of wandering outside of the land. But instead of peace, this invasion of essentially Muslim nations will be joined together with greedy Russia. It says to take a spoil, perhaps Israel's natural gas. Now moving on in Ezekiel chapter 38, God will respond with judgment against the invading nations with great hailstones, fire and brimstone. He will magnify himself and vindicate his people Israel with such might and force that they will know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord is their deliverer and Yehovah is their defender. Recall for a moment all the brouhaha in the news when Israel stopped a Turkish flotilla keeping weapons out of the Gaza Strip which is controlled by Hamas terrorists. It was just amazing prophetically that following that incident, the Rabbinical Council of Judea and Samaria issued a statement to the effect that we seem to be entering the time of the Gog and Magog process I've just mentioned in Ezekiel chapter 38 and Ezekiel 39. The rabbi said that all the threats will nevertheless culminate in the third and final redemption a clear reference to the Messiah. Turkey, the land of the old Ottoman Empire, has indeed reemerged as a new and formidable player 
in Minis politics. The Prime Minister of Turkey has shifted his allegiance toward Iran, Syria, and their axis of power. And Turkey has become increasingly anti-Semitic. Bible prophecy prognosticators are saying that this new alignment and shift in power increasingly isolates Israel and makes way for the fulfillment of the invasion of Ezekiel 38 and 39. Leaders and nations who think they can conquer Israel simply don't know this word of God. The enemies of God's ancient people, Israel, will make a fatal mistake by assuming that Israel will be an easy target to take. They'll be deceived. The sovereign God can defeat the mightiest army and pour scorn on his enemies. When God says to this confederation, I am against you, I will cause you to fall upon the mountains of Israel, that's enough in advance to spell defeat. Surely the security of Israel is in God's care, and the Lord is the shield, the stronghold of his people. Fear not, he continually says in his word, I am with you, Israel. I have loved you with an eternal love. The coming conflict is described as terrible, but the defeat of the world powers will be complete, irreversible, and irreparable. Now let's go to Ezekiel 39. It opens with God saying, Son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, Behold, I am against you, O Gog, prince of Rosh, Meshef, and Tubal, and I will cause you to come from the uttermost parts of the north, and I will bring you upon the mountains of Israel. And verse 4 says, You shall fall upon the mountains of Israel, you and all the hordes and peoples with you. I will give you to the ravenous birds and to the beasts of the field who will devour you. And here is an ominous word in verse 6 of Ezekiel 39. God says, And I will send fire on Magog and on them that dwell securely in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. Many Bible scholars feel that this fire may be some sort of nuclear or atomic weapon falling in judgment on the nations that think they're secure in the islands and the coastlands. Could this be a reference to Britain or to the United States? Many scholars think so. The prophet Ezekiel's description of the overthrow of Israel's proud antagonists is horrific. God's weapons are used against them with brutal force. In fact, the numbers of the dead, according to this chapter, become a peril to public health. The chapter describes a huge valley that will be set apart as a necropolis, a giant cemetery. And verse 12 of Ezekiel 39 gives a timeline of seven months that will be required for the sickening work of cleansing the land and clearing away all the carnage. So vast is the carnage of the invaders that the whole population of Israel becomes involved and burying the dead. With the eye of a prophet, Ezekiel foresaw the contempt and the dishonor 
stored up for Israel's brash enemies who are deceived into thinking they can win. Their dead bodies will become a banquet for the birds of prey. Well, this is pretty horrific. Is there any good news? And yes, the good news is that a great revival will result from the Northern Confederations overstepping and attacking Israel. Ezekiel 39 declares that the house of Israel shall know that the Lord is their God from that day forward. And the nation shall know that the house of Israel went into captivity for their iniquity, for their trespasses against God, and why he hid his face from them, and why he gave them over in the diaspora to the hand of their adversaries, and why they fell by the sword. And therefore, thus saith the Lord Jehovah, now I will bring back the captivity of Jacob. And he says, the good news is I'm going to have mercy upon the whole house of Israel, for I will be jealous for my holy name, and they shall know that I am Jehovah, their God, and that I have gathered them into their own land, and that I will leave none of them any more out in the nations, and neither will I hide my face any more from them. For I will have poured out my spirit upon the house of Israel, says the Lord. So this is the soon coming scenario described by the prophet Ezekiel. Already we've begun to see the lineup of nations conforming to the prophecies of the Bible. And we can be very sure of the outcome. God has promised that he will destroy the enemies of Israel and he will save the nation of Israel to bring glory to himself. And what about Egypt? Although Egypt isn't mentioned in the Gog and Magog invasion of Israel, the Bible does predict that Egypt will play a key role in the fulfillment of end time prophecy. At Messiah's return, the Bible gives us a clue that Egypt's stubborn resistance will perhaps repeat itself as an example of proud nations that won't easily accept and bow to the Lord's rule. As in the times of ancient Israel, the situation will again require something like a plague. Specifically, the Word of God says a drought to break the will of the Egyptians. We have a clue for this in the prophecies of Zechariah, who declared in chapter 14 that the survivors from those nations that attacked Jerusalem will come up every year to this city to worship the King, the Lord of hosts, and to celebrate the Levitical Feast of Tabernacles. And no rain will fall on the land of anyone in any country who refuses to come up to Jerusalem to worship King Messiah. This drought disaster will strike the Egyptians and anyone else who refuses to come up to Jerusalem for the annual celebration. However, in the end, Isaiah 19 prophesies that Egypt will cooperate and will build a special highway connecting to Assyria and running through the reestablished nation of Israel. And all three nations in this prophecy, Egypt, Assyria, and Israel, are described as God's people.
Well, I hope this time of looking into the Word of God together has been edifying. Perhaps you can share this video with some of your family or friends who are not quite up to speed on Bible prophecy as you'd like for them to be. We also invite you to visit our website at exploits.tv where you can click for a free copy of our color magazines, Exploits. And we can post details about our many strategic prayer conferences in the Bible lands. I'd appreciate your comments in the chat, on Facebook or Twitter. So until next time, earnestly contending for the faith, which does include the doctrine of the second coming of Jesus our Lord. I'm Christine Dark. Blessings and Shalom. Something prophetic, something biblical and surely significant is always happening here in the city of the great king in Jerusalem, the worship capital of the world. We want to thank you for being a part of the Jerusalem channel and for faithfully supporting it. It's because of your support that we're able to bring vital insights in these last days. And we especially want to remind you to receive your free copy of our Exploits Ministry magazine. You can receive it by going 24-7 to our website at exploits.tv. And in the United States, we have a toll-free number. Also in the UK, we have a telephone number so that you can send us your comments, which I always enjoy reading and your prayer request. I want to pray for you here in the city of the great king. So please stay in touch with me via Twitter, Facebook, or our website. Blessing you from the city of the great king. I'm Christine Darg. Shalom.